Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. That's a good indicator within our lives as well, our personal Devo times and all that stuff, is when you don't even notice that you haven't been in the Word for a while, that should like strike you to the core. Be like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Oh God, I, I'm sorry, I need, to, I need to get back to your Word. I need to get back into your Word. I know we go through seasons and all that stuff. I'm not asking you to check boxes every single day. Reddit, check, Reddit, check, Reddit, check. I'm not saying that at all, but I am saying, We constantly need to be checking our temperature, so to speak. Sometimes it's as clear as day that you've been away from studying the Bible. Other times it can be a slow and subtle decline. In today's message from Pastor James, he warns you against falling away from studying the scriptures. The Bible is described as your daily bread. That means that you're to feed from it every single day. Pastor James explains that yesterday's reading and time with God isn't what you need for today. Today, you need to meet with God. You need a fresh word from him every day. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Amos chapter 8 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. We need bread for the broken. Give some bread to the broken. We need hope for the hopeless. Give some hope to the hopeless, hopeless. Bread for the broken, broken. We went through Leviticus. The main thing I kept saying through Leviticus is we don't get to define what worship is. God has already defined what worship is. We align with what he says. That's it. But here in the northern tribes, they're not only changing what worship is, they're changing location of where worship happens. Completely in the face of God. This is just rebellion. Amos replies, verse 14, I'm not a professional prophet. And I, never, and I was never trained to be one. It's like, I didn't go to school for this. It's like, I'm not a prophet. I am right now, but I'm not a prophet. He says, I'm a shepherd. I'm just a shepherd. And I take care of sycamore fig trees. Which again, those are the lowest ones, right? Nobody wants to pick figs from sycamore trees. But he does because he's a shepherd and he also has to, he's got to make money where he can. So he's the lowest of the low, uneducated, blue collar, smells like sheep. Hands are all cut up from picking figs. And then here he is in the presence of a priest in his priestly garb, playing a role, playing a part. He's like, I'm not a prophet. I'm a shepherd. I know who I am. At least he knows his place. This priest is clueless. How did that priest even become a priest? You're a priest of what? Are you from the tribe of Levi? Probably not. So who made you a priest? Oh, you're a priest of falsehood. You're a priest of pagan stuff. Oh, you're a priest for a king who's ungodly. Interesting. Verse 15, though, Amos, but, but, the Lord called me away from my flock and told me, go and prophesy to my people in Israel. Right? So here's Amos. He's like, I'm a shepherd, fig guy. That's who I am. Make incredible fig jam. You would love it, right? He's like, that's just what I do. But in doing that, God showed up and is like, Amos, leave the sheep. They're fine. Go to the northern tribes. I got a message you need to share with them. Amos said, okay. There's no fight in Amos at all that we have recorded. 
What's, what's amazing about that is like with other guys, you had, you had a little bit of a, a fight, okay? You had Moses. Moses was like, no, I don't think so. Can't do it. I can't do it. I can't talk. Moses, you're educated. He was one of the most educated men of the Old Testament. Moses, you, he's like, no, I can't do it. I can't talk. And there were always ones who were like, God's like, I need you to go and do this. And they're like, nah, not me. <laughs> not me. Here's Amos. He's the shepherd. He's just, you know, taking care of sheep and dealing with figs. And God's like, oh, go tell him. He's like, done. All right. You got it. And he goes. And I love it. Just obedience. It's amazing. He didn't fight with God. He didn't remind God that he's like, I didn't go to prophet school. And nobody in my family is a prophet. God, so I don't know if you know how this works down here, but only those who have degrees can speak on your behalf. Only those who grew up with their dads being pastors or a grandpa being a pastor can actually be pastors. God, that's how it works down here. And God be like, well, your system's busted. It's broken. Like, that's silly. You don't need a degree to speak on behalf of God. Does it help? Sure. Some cases, not all cases. A lot of people go to seminary and they don't come back as Christians. I mean, how good is that? Like, what do you, what do you want, right? So, I mean, it's not bad, but... You don't need a degree in theology to know the one who you're studying. You just need a Bible and a heart that's open to hear him. And not just to hear him, but to put into practice what he tells you to do, just like Amos. The shepherd prophet, blue-collar guy. So I love this because the Bible always lets us know from some of these heroes, although most people, I don't, you don't ever hear of Amos being like one of the heroes of the Bible, but he is. God is constantly putting on display for you and for me individuals who he loves to use who are not, quote unquote, qualified. So that removes any excuse that we have of saying, you can't pick me, you can't use me because of this. And God's like, well, okay, just read your Bible some more then. Once you read through it, then come back to me with that excuse. And let's see if it holds. It doesn't. You and I We may not be qualified, quote unquote, but he can qualify us to do whatever it is he's called us to do. And Amos is like, look, I know who I am. I know my background. I know where I come from. But God's called me. He's called me. Did he remain a prophet forever? No. He went back to taking care of sheep after this. That's probably what he did. He probably died as a shepherd and picking figs. He had this one moment, and literally, it's, it's a small, small period of time where he got to be a prophet for God and go to the northern tribes and to speak on behalf of God. It's a small window for him, but that was probably it. I mean, we don't really know much about him at all, but I would assume he goes back to his sheep, and he dies just living a simple life, knowing like, hey, yeah, God used me. God spoke through me <laughs> to his kids, his grandkids, and whoever else within his little town there. But here's what he, he says to this priest. He says, now listen to the message from the Lord. And if you can imagine just the look on a priest's face when a shepherd is telling him to, no more talking, you need to listen to this, right? Okay. He says, you say, don't prophesy against Israel. Stop preaching against my people. But this is what the Lord says. Your wife will become a prostitute in this city. And your sons and daughters will be killed. Your land will be divided up. And you yourself will die in a foreign land. And the people of Israel will certainly become captives in exile far from their homeland. Period. Drops the mic and walks away, right? And you're like, 
You're like, oh, he just, he's like, look, priest, you're preaching all this false stuff to the people. That was a, a thing that was happening back then. Prophets who were actually inspired by God and given words from God concerning this captivity that did happen, other guys were like, no, 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 don't listen to them. It was peace, prosperity. It's good. It's all good. Hey, we serve the one true God. Well, do you? Do you? I mean, he is the one true God, but do you actually serve him? Because the Babylonians are on the way. Like the capti- captives, you know, you will be cap- taken captive. It, captivity is coming for you. But these other prophets, quote unquote, so-called prophets, were going around following these actual prophets saying, don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. Look, we're good. We're good. And remember, at this time when this letter was written, Israel was experiencing prosperity. They were experiencing prosperity. So they could seem like, no, 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 look, our economy has never been better. Obviously, God is pleased with us because when he's pleased with us, good things happen to us. I was like, well, that's not always true, though, is it? So then that's, that was the end of that little, little you know, interjection that he had concerning, he's like, I got this vision, got this vision, got this vision. Oh, yeah, by the way, let me let you know what, what Amaziah told me that one time. And then he goes right back into his visions. A vision of ripe fruit, verse 1 of chapter 8. The sovereign Lord, Lord Adonai, showed me another vision. In it, I saw a basket full of ripe fruit. What do you see, Amos, he asked. I replied, a basket full of ripe fruit. Then the Lord said, like this fruit, Israel is ripe for punishment. Well, that doesn't sound nice. (laughs) You're like, yeah. Well, guess what? You live a life of rebellion, a little punishment might come your way. I mean, God disciplines the ones whom he loves, okay? Don't be rebellious. That's, it's always funny where people go with some of these things. Oh, God sounds so mean. How about you just don't be rebellious? I don't know. I don't, I mean, you could go that route, (laughs) right? Or argue semantics with God of like, I think you're too mean. It's just, he's been warning his people because he loves his people. Come back to me, come back to me, come back to me constantly telling them this for hundreds of years. He says, I will, then, I will not delay their punishment again. In that day, the singing in the temple will turn to wailing. Dead bodies will be scattered everywhere. They will be carried out of the city in silence. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. The end has come, as New King James says. I kind of like ripe for punishment, though, honestly. Yeah, the end has come. That's, that sounds, that's okay. But ripe for punishment just sounds a lot better. <laughs> and technically, that's what it says. Ripe for punishment. Like, you are, I mean, he's just going through the, the orchard there, and he's, like, picking off the fruit. Like, yep, it's ripe. Let's get it. Verse 4, listen to this. You who rob the poor, here's some of their crimes. You who rob the poor, trample down the needy. You can't wait for the Sabbath, or Shabbat, to be over. Wait, what? You can't wait for it to be over. Why? So you can earn more money. God keeps getting in my way. God keeps getting in my way of making lots of money and taking advantage of people. He's so overbearing, right? He's just so overbearing, right? Like, this is the the thought process. Like, can we speed this sundown to sunrise thing up quickly? Can we just do that? Can we introduce daylight savings time, right, in, in Israel, right? So is there any way to speed up Sabbath, says, end the religious festivals to end. They can't wait for them to end so that you can get back to cheating the helpless. You measure out grain with dishonest measures and cheat the buyer with dishonest scales. 
what they're doing is they're cheapening their products and they're raising their prices. That sounds like where we're at, right? Like, (laughs) nothing lasts like it used to, does it? No, it doesn't. Things are way more expensive nowadays, aren't they? Yeah, they are. This is what they were doing in Israel. They were deliberately taking advantage of the poor. They were cheating them. It says you mix the grain you sell with, with chaff, swept from the floor. So they're measuring out the grain, but they're mixing in the stuff that they separated from the grain. It's the stuff that's useless. You can't eat that. That shell over the wheat, like you can't eat that. But they're like, sneak it in. Sneak it in. Get it off the floor. Like this is how they view these people. Their own people. They're, they're brothers and sisters. Says you enslave poor people for one piece of silver or a pair of sandals. Just taking advantage, taking advantage, completely ignoring what God had instituted when he delivered them from Egypt. Now the Lord has sworn this oath by his own name, the pride of Jacob, the pride of Israel. I will never forget the wicked things you have done. The earth will tremble for your deeds. Everyone will mourn. The ground will rise like the Nile River at flood time. It will heave up and then sink again. In that day, says the sovereign Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth while it is still day. I will turn your celebrations into times of mourning, your singing into weeping. You will wear funeral clothes and shave your heads to show your sorrow. As if your only son had died, how very bitter that day will be. This is what's coming for them. This is also what God has been trying to rescue them from. But part of the rescue mission involves the individual wanting to be rescued. There's this thing where, you know, if you go out to the beach, you're out in the water, and you see somebody, if you see somebody who's drowning. It's a very dangerous thing to try to go rescue them. Okay, you put yourself in a, in a certain amount of danger by trying to rescue somebody who's drowning, okay? So if you have like a surfboard, you want to put the board in between you and them. Why? Because they're fighting for life, and they're going to try to bring you down too. Not purposefully, but that's just how it is. So somebody with the presence of mind has to, in the rescue mission has to know, like, here's a lifesaver. I'm, I'm handing this to you. I need you to grab onto this thing so I can rescue you, so I can pull you out of this mess. And God has stepped into Israel's, their lives constantly and said, here's a lifesaver. I need you to grab hold of this thing so I can rescue you. And they've been like, no, we don't want your rescue. Okay, well, then what do you, we don't need to be rescued. You're drowning. You're drowning. No, 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 we're fine. Never been better. Never been better. Like, God's like, no, you're literally, you're going under. You need rescue. We don't need you. We don't need a rescue. We're fine. Look how good we have it. It's amazing how sometimes the, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and then even the day and age in which we live today, parallel each other. There's a lot of people, even within the church, who are like, fine, we're fine, we're fine, we're good, everything's good, everything's good, everything's good, as they're going down, going down, going down. And again, that's that, it always brings it back to that plumb line thing. It's just like, well, wait a minute. If God's, saying, if God's saying there's a problem there, then the smartest thing to do would be like, okay, I'll take whatever rescue line you throw out. Because I trust in God's wisdom. Proverbs, again, Proverbs chapter 3, we don't lean on our own understanding. You can't lean on your own understanding. Trust God in his, his infinite wisdom. But here he's, he's letting them know this is what's going to come. This is what's happening. The time is surely coming, verse 11, says the sovereign Lord, when I will send famine on the land 
not a famine of bread or water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Woof. He's going to take away his word. Maybe to you and I, that matters. It hits a different level. But for ones who ignore his word, they'd be like, what? No, come on. It's silly. They probably wouldn't even notice, to be honest. And that's a good indicator within our lives as well, our personal Devo times and all that stuff, is when you don't even notice that you haven't been in the Word for a while, that should like strike you to the core. Be like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I need to to get back to your Word. I need to get back into your Word. I know we go through seasons and all that stuff. I'm not asking you to check boxes every single day. Reddit, check, Reddit, check, Reddit, check. I'm not saying that at all, but I am saying... We constantly need to be checking our temperature, so to speak. Okay, where am I at? And even there's been times, look, I'll be honest with you, there's been times where I have read the word that day, and it's made no effect on me at all. And I've just walked away, and I'm like, I think I'm in a worse attitude now, right? But then that reminds me too of like, okay, I got to go back to the Lord. Lord, I'm sorry. Maybe I just need to spend some time just sitting silently at your feet. And I, yeah, I'm going to get back into the word, but right, I'm, everything I'm reading, it's just, I'm not getting it. So I just need to spend time at your feet. But they, he's going to take his word away from them, a famine of his word. It says, the people will stagger from sea to sea and wander from border to border, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Beautiful girls and strong young men will grow faint in that day, thirsting for the Lord's word. Why? Because man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from his mouth, from the word of God. And those who swear by their, the shameful idols of Samaria, who take oaths in the name of the God of Dan, who make vows in the name of the God of Beersheba, they will fall down never to rise again. God's like, I'm going to take my word. And this, in, in all, everything that you place your hope and trust into, it's all going away. It's all going away. There is one you can place your, your faith, hope, and trust in. His name is Jesus. He's the Alpha, the Omega, beginning and the end. He's forever, forever, forever. There's nothing that can take Jesus down. He's the best. Place your faith, your hope, your trust into the one who never changes. These guys are going to learn a lesson real quick of you put your hope and trust into these carved images that you made or somebody else made. They're all going to be destroyed. And then this last vision, chapter 9. Then I saw a vision of the Lord standing beside the altar. He said, strike the tops of the temple columns so that the foundation will shake, bringing down the roof on the heads of the people below. I will kill with the sword those who survive. No one will escape. You're like, yikes. I think he's serious about this. I don't know. Are you guys reading that too? You'd see the seriousness of that? Yeah, it sounds pretty bad. Please note that this is probably the temple in the northern tribes, Okay. I don't believe he's speaking about the temple in Jerusalem. I believe because of the context of this letter and that Amos was a prophet to the northern tribes in Israel, the 10 northern tribes, that this is a reference to their altar that, quote unquote, was made for him. It says, even if they dig down to the place of the dead, Sheol, right? Like if you're going to dig down to Sheol, I would reach down and pull them up. That's pretty terrifying, right? You're like, you're trying to hide from God? Oh, yeah, dig as far as you want to. He's going to reach his hand in there and pull you out like a rabbit out of a magician's hat, right? He just reaches down, boom. Oh, you thought you could get away. You can't outrun God. 
You can't outrun him. You can't outhide God. Adam and Eve taught us that, right? Go always go back to the Genesis. The, yeah, you can't win at hide and seek with God. You can't. He knows everything. He's everywhere. He's like, oh, you want to, okay. So going down to, to Sheol, that's, you're not going to hide there. Okay, what if you climb up into the heavens? Okay, I, I just imagine these people with their reason and their logic and understanding of like, okay, so we probably can't dig down, but I bet we could get away from him if we go up high, right? You're like, really? This is your game plan, right? Like, this is your game plan. Yeah, let's just climb a really high mountain, and then he won't find us. Then he won't find us. But this is what we do in our lives. Like, this, he's using these, this imagery that's totally absurd, but yet how many times have I done that in my life? Where I think like, okay, well, maybe, maybe he didn't see that. Maybe he didn't hear that. Right? They're like, no, he did. He did. He's God. That's just who he is. He sees all, knows all, and uh, is aware of all things. And again, I think I've referenced this before. You know, like when you're watching the scary movies, you pull the blankets over your head, no bad guy is ever going to find you, right? Because why? Because I got the blanket over my head. Like, they can't see me. It's impossible, right? That was my logic as a child. It doesn't make any sense. There have been times when I've come home, and my kids, even to this day, all teenagers, right? They like to do this thing where they'll, they'll hide on, they'll be on the couch and they'll cover themselves with blankets as if they're hiding from me, right? And I, as if I don't see these massive, you know, body lumps on the couch, <laughs> you know, feet here and all that good stuff and squirming because nobody in my family can sit still for too long. But I walk in and I know right away where they're at. They're not trying to hide from me, but they're playing a game with me. And it's funny because I see that and I'm like, man, Lord, I do that so much with you. And it's pretty silly, right? It's pretty silly. Like, you can't, you, what, you're going to go up to the heavens? He's like, I'll bring them back down. I'll bring them down. They climb up to the heavens, I will bring them down. Verse 3, even if they hide at the very top of Mount Carmel, if they go up to that, that's not a high mountain at all. It's not even a mountain. It's like a hill. It's, like a, it's a hilltop is what it is. But it's overlooking Megiddo, and it's a cool little area. But he's like, even if you go up there, I'm going to search you out and find you. He says, I'll search you out and capture you. Even if they hide at the bottom of the ocean, I like this part. I will send a sea serpent after them to bite them. <laughs> this is amazing, right? Like, uh, can we, I think we need more verses like this, right? Like, that's cool. Um, I mean, again, if you're going to give me anything for Christmas, find me a coffee mug that has that verse on there, right? Like, it's got like a snake coming out or something. That's amazing. Like, God's like, oh, you, oh you're going to hide at the bottom of the sea. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm going to send a serpent to get you. You know, uh, some sort of sea creature, sea serpent down there to, to bite them. It's amazing. I, uh, it's just, I love the Bible so much. And uh, this is part of it right there. Man, that's, it's a whole different kind of shark week. When I see that, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. All right, but okay, side note. Um, not all, you know, if you've been bitten by an animal, it's not because God's trying to get you. Okay, like, can I, let me say that, because you might take that away from this verse, and that's the wrong, that's the wrong application to the verse. Um, you may have gotten bit by an animal because, well, they just bit you, right? That's just how that works sometimes. But these are people trying to run away from God, and God's like, oh, I know how to get you. You can't run away from me. You cannot run away from me. A prophet who was like somewhat of a contemporary of Amos lived this out. His name was Jonah. He tried to run away from God. And he even told those sailors, he's like, look, just throw me into the sea. Just get rid of me. It's fine. He's after me. Oh, 
Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're currently in a series called Major Messages from the Minor Prophets. Don't let the word minor fool you. Normally, its definition is widely known as not important, but that's not the case here. Many men from days of old spoke about the faithfulness of Jesus and his power to bring wayward souls back to him. Despite all of their poor choices, Jesus used different prophets to speak the saving truth of his righteousness into their lives. If you liked what you heard today, you have an opportunity to share it with others by making a donation to this ministry at breadforthebroken.com. Once you're there, simply click on the Donation tab. Feel free to explore other teachings by Pastor James as well. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary, Galveston. If you're looking for a church that you can call home, or you simply want to connect and pray with somebody, we'd love to be that for you. You can get in touch with us by filling out the contact form at our website, breadforthebroken.com. Interested in visiting us at one of our services? Well, you have two options available to you, Sundays at 10 a.m. or Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. If you can't get there, we invite you to use our Facebook live stream. We'd love to connect with you because there's hope and healing in Jesus. Our time is up for today's edition, but we'd encourage you to tune in next time to hear more about these prophets that had major messages from God. Join us for more wisdom that comes from the Word of God right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man.